Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the official EstablishedRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. As always, I'm joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. NFL Draft is now behind us. We've gone over the NFC. Today we will do the AFC. Evan, what's going on? Not too much, man. We're going to break down these AFC teams. As I said, today's show, we are going to be going team by team through each AFC draft, kind of giving our draft takeaways and their fantasy fallout from each. If you want to hear the NFC version, that is episode 62. The takes and the way we're going to be talking about it today is mostly redraft based for Dynasty takes. I suggest that you listen to the pod I did with Pecorine, uh, episode 61, I believe. And also we have a bunch of Dynasty stuff up on the site for now, everything on the site remains free and let's get to it with the AFC here Evan the Baltimore Ravens the big pick in the fantasy community was obviously pick of J.K. Dobbins at 55th overall they have a stable of backs already in Mark Ingram in Gus Edwards in Justice Hill who they invested draft capital in and I know a lot of people liked last year but J.K. Dobbins I think from an all-around skill set will at least threaten Mark Ingram and Mark Ingram got around uh, 13 carries per game last year was lightly used in the past game. I think J.K. Dobbins is at least a threat to reduce that and kind of get double-digit carries of his own. But how quickly do you think that J.K. Dobbins will make an impact in Baltimore? I think very, very quickly. And I think that at very worst, he's going to get the Gus Edwards role. And it's very likely that he gets more. Uh, Gus Edwards was right around eight carries per game last season. And J.K. Dobbins is just way, way better than Gus Edwards. It's a huge blow to Mark Ingram's value. I mean, I'm putting together a top 150 right now. And, you know, every time I look at it, I want to bump Mark Ingram down more. First of all, he had a ton of t- uh, touchdown regression coming to him. He scored like four uh, receiving touchdowns last year. That's not happening again. Uh, he finished at 15 touchdowns all purpose. That's not happening again. Um, and, you know, he's starting to get old. He's on the wrong side of 30. J.K. Dobbins, I mean, he's going to jump in and be extremely effective from an efficiency standpoint. Um, He's going to hit the ground running, I think, in Baltimore. Yeah, and, you know, concerns on Baltimore as a whole, when you're starting to project out, can they generate as many rush attempts? Can they generate the same scoring efficiency? Can they generate the same rushing efficiency as they did last year? And I think they're going to be awesome again, but that was like out of control, their efficiency last year. So you can start scaling back a little bit and regressing towards the mean, how many, points they're going to score, how efficient they're going to be, and you start to end up with fewer rush attempts. So certainly bad for Mark Ingram. And and yeah, I think J.K. Dobbins, certainly long-term, talked about it with Kareem. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has a major path to dynasty upside being tied to this offense. Also wanted to mention Ravens 98th overall, they take uh, Devin DuVernay. And 201st overall, they take James Proshi. Uh, I'm not sure what you think of those two prospects, but I, from what I can tell, both are more likely to play inside uh, than outside. So I think Miles Boykin remains uh, in play to start opposite Marquise Brown. But what do you think about those two wide receivers that the Ravens took? Yeah, I think they're both slot receivers. Um, Devin Duvernay was really, really fast. He ran 4-3-9, coming out of Texas, kind of built like Golden Tate, kind of like a thicker slot receiver, but very, very explosive. And then James Proche out of uh, SMU, another slot prospect, um, kind of on the um, the Julian Edelman um, sort of spectrum. So they really didn't come out of this draft with a vertical receiver, a, you know, a classic vertical receiver. I thought that they might look at a guy like T Higgins, but he wound up going 33 overall, um, not even close to making it to their pick, 
to their pick at uh, 55th overall. So, yeah, I, I think that Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown uh, right now look like maybe the likeliest uh, outside receivers and then Devin DuVernay pushing Willie Sneed in the slot. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills. And I actually like this landing spot for Zach Moss. Uh, you know, he can play the Frank Gore role. And he's obviously, I think at this point in his career, gives you more upside than Frank Gore. And I mean, I didn't even list Devin Singletary as a loser because I always expected the Bills to get a back. Like they weren't coming out of this draft without a back. They had like nothing behind Devin Singletary. Now that said, Devin Singletary's upside, I think, is going to be capped a little bit. There were times down the stretch last year where Devin Singletary was playing 98, 99% of the snaps after they kind of dusted Frank Gore. So that's not going to happen, I don't think, with Zach Moss in the mix. I'm curious what you thought of Zach Moss originally coming out and how you think he'll fit in Buffalo. Like Zach Moss. I mean, I think that he is going to jump right into that Frank Frank Gore role, as you mentioned. Uh, He's a bigger back. He's like 223, whereas... Singletary is like 205. Um, so I think that they're, you know, they're, they're complementary stylistically. And then um, I'm just, I'm worried about Devin Singletary at the goal line. Like how, mm-hmm. how much work is he really going to get at the goal line with Josh Allen stealing work there? And then uh, Zach Moss doing what Frank Gore did last year. I'm also kind of worried about his receiving because of, uh, and I, he had a big playoff game. He had like eight catches in the playoff game. But other than that, he really, didn't have a lot of big games as a receiver. And I think he, he has that skill set um, independently, but I think that Josh Allen, the way that he plays, like he's likelier to take off than to check it down to Devin Singletary. So that puts Devin Singletary kind of in a, a spot where, you know, he's not getting a lot of money touches, mm-hmm. not getting the goal line. He's not getting the receiving work. And that really is going to end up putting a lid on his upside. If, um, if that comes to fruition. I want to take a minute here to pour one out for Robert Foster, formerly known Robert Foster, Australian for sex. Dude goes off down the uh, stretch in 2018. And literally, like, after that, they signed John Brown. Like, Robert Foster can't even get on the field, even though he played so well in 2018. Uh, And now they just uh, draft Gabriel Davis. They draft Isaiah Hodgins. And now, like, on a latest roster projection, Robert Foster doesn't look like he's going to make the team uh, Australian for out of a job. Uh, do you have any idea what happened to Robert Foster? I actually thought he had the chance to like actually be legit a legit player. I mean, so did I. But I mean, there were reasons that he went undrafted. You know, there are reasons why he was a really big recruit at Alabama. And he really didn't do anything there, and um, you know, we just stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about. But I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm with you, he had a great rookie season, like legitimately yeah. great. I think um, if you adjusted down for how many targets he had, he didn't have a ton of targets, but if you adjusted down for how many targets he had, he averaged the most yards per route run in that entire uh, rookie class. And that was a pretty good one. I think that was DJ Moore's year. Um, So, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, probably the same reasons that led to him going undrafted. Let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously they get Joe Burrow at number one overall. I'm more interested in how we think that the wide receiver situation is going to play out. Cause man, like if they go five deep right now with really good wide receivers, AJ Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd in the slot, and then your wide receiver four is John Ross, who I thought looked really good when he was healthy last year. They have Auden Tate, who made some serious plays for them. I am I'm fear a little bit that they're going to actually play five receivers. Like There's going to be some rotation here where they actually play five wide receivers. We know A.J. Green has had injury history, and he's getting up there in age. Uh, I don't know. How do you think that all these wide receivers are all going to eat with a rookie quarterback, or do you think they're all going to eat? 
Um, I think that John Ross might be in trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, they put the franchise tag on AJ Green. They signed Tyler Boyd to an extension, uh, I believe, bef- uh, before last season. They used the 33rd overall pick on T. Higgins. So I think that that means that John Ross is in trouble and he's going to be a rotational player this season. And um, did, did you see if they made a decision on his fifth year option? I didn't. That's a good question. Yeah. Cause those, cause teams are making those decisions like as we speak, Yeah, um, you know, that, that'll kind of give us a clue. That'll be something to look out for and give us a clue as to whether they really even see him as part of their future. I mean, my guess is that he definitely doesn't get his option exercised, although the Bengals do kind of weird things. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, look, it looks like John Ross can be the third receiver. Uh, we talked about before the draft Fourth that Joe Burrow had like a loaded or for the Bengals, at least a loaded weaponry. And then they go out and add T Higgins at 33 overall. I mean, Joe Burrow is the favorite. He's around plus 192 uh, to one to be the offensive rookie of the year. Given his weapons and the fact that he plays the quarterback position, I actually think maybe this price should even be a little bit lower than two to one. But anyways, uh, now that he gets T Higgins, uh, it seems like Joe Burrow is even more likely to be the standout rookie quarterback. Where do you think you'll end up with him in the top 150, if at all? Uh, yeah, right now he's not in the top 150. He, I have him at quarterback 22. I want to bump him up, and I, I probably will. Try, I'm going to try to jam him up a little bit higher because I really do think he's got legit upside. But he's also going to be a rookie quarterback who definitely after the Bengals cut Andy Dalton, Joe Burrow is going to be in there week one. But he is going to have to learn the offense like through Zoom conferences. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that's going to affect, you know, how effective he is early in the season. I mean, I think that you can – and then the division is just – I mean, the division is not easy, man. The Steelers are one of the best defenses in the league. Mm-hmm. Rams, I think, have gotten a lot better on defense. One of the best secondaries and pass defenses last year. And then the Browns are certainly no pushover. Yeah, let's talk about those Browns. Uh, you know, we talked a lot, and Brandon Thorne talked about a lot when the Browns hype was going off last year. Well, hold on a sec. Their offensive line is one of the worst – in the NFL, they addressed that at 10th overall by getting Jedrick Wills. Um, and then uh, they really didn't draft any skill players. You know, they took Harrison Bryant, the Florida Atlantic tight end. In the fourth round, they get Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had these outrageous measurables. In the sixth round, I liked both of those picks from an upside perspective. Would not expect either to contribute too much in year one. What do you think about what the Browns did? I think there's some appeal as a whole for the Browns. as like a post-hype sleeper type offense. Yes, I agree with that. Um, in the draft, they began their draft by drafting Jedrick Wills, one of the most physical offensive linemen in that group of t- uh, the top four picks that all went within um, uh, numbers one through 13. Uh, Jedrick Wills coming out of Alabama just kind of reinforces that I think that this team wants to be like balanced kind of from a run pass standpoint. I mean, they, they've got two great backs. They signed Jack Conklin. Um, who is, you know, one of the best run blocking tackles in the league. Uh, they, you know, they're, and they're going to be, their offense is run by Kevin Stefanski, whose offense was very balanced in terms of, in terms of run pass ratio last year in Minnesota. And I don't think, and they want to run a lot of play action as well. That's what Baker Mayfield does the best. The Browns kind of got away from play action last year, but it, that was really the only way that Baker Mayfield maintained any semblance of efficiency in his second season. So I think they're going to go really heavy on play action. They're going to run the ball quite a bit. They're going to be, try to be really physical up front. They've got 
a bunch of good linemen. I mean, mm-hmm. T. Treader is one of the best centers in the league. Uh, and then Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Um, and then uh, Joel Batonio, of course, at, uh, at left guard. So, I mean, they've, they've got the makings of a team that's going to run the ball with volume and throw the ball off play action. And Odell Beckham is really their only deep threat. So he's going to be a really interesting kind of topic of debate in terms of can he bounce back from what was pretty much a miserable season last year. But the oppor- he was number three in the NFL in air yards. Just they were so inefficient as an offense. Yeah, looking forward to seeing the Browns this year for sure. Definitely like them as post-hype. Uh, let's go to the Denver Broncos, who were kind of the talk of the draft with all of the weapons that they have given Drew Locke. 15th overall, they give him Jerry Judy. 46th overall, they give him K.J. Hamler. And then they go to the shower narrative at 118th overall with his buddy from Missouri, Albert O. Uh, if it was any other quarterback, people would be so excited about this Broncos offense. I feel like people are discounting them just because they think Drew Locke is total dust. And and maybe he is, but I, I kind of find it a little bit similar to the Teddy Bridgewater situation we talked about on the previous podcast. Although Denver's defense, I don't think, will be nearly uh, as bad as the Panthers' defense will be. I guess the big question of this, all this, Evan, is what Denver giving Drew Locke enough for him to actually let all these guys produce? Sutton, Fant, Albert, Hamler, Judy, Melvin, Lindsey, etc.? Yeah, you know, we were way above consensus on Cortland Sutton last year, and I think that I'm going to end up being way below consensus on him this year um, because I think that the addition of Judy, you know, the fact that this is he, – he's, he's like I'm, I'm seeing him really, really highly ranked and really, really high in terms of early ADP. Mm-hmm. Then you first-round pick Judy. You add in the second-round pick K.J. Hamler – you add in the uncertainty of, you know, just Drew Locke is still an unknown. I know that he went, what, four and one or whatever uh, in his five starts last year, but I think he was still really up and down. And just there have not been many successes uh, among quarterbacks drafted in the, in the second round uh, historically. Uh, also, I think that they're, they're going to be, you know, kind of a, a, a run first team. They are coached by a defensive minded coach in, in Vic Fangio. So, I think there's not going to be, you know, a ton of volume offensively. And um, I think that Cortland Sutton is going to be a guy that people overdraft this year after they way underdrafted him last year. Yeah, I, I wanted to be high on Noah Fant coming into this year. Uh, but, man, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. So it's going to be something to watch. I don't think Albert O is necessarily a threat to Noah Fant. But that said, you know, you start giving targets to Judy and Hamler and Sutton and Melvin, and then all of a sudden you're not left with too many for no offense. So there's there's going to be plenty of tight ends and kind of Darren Waller, hopefully the next Darren Waller guys that we can talk about as the offseason moves along. But I think right now kind of a lot of these Broncos guys are probably going too high, as Evan alluded to. All right, let's go to our friend uh, Bill O'Brien, who only made uh, five picks in this draft, none in the first round, of course. Uh, didn't do much in the fifth round from a skill perspective, didn't do much in the fifth round. He takes Isaiah Coulter. I think the story, at least out of the coming out of the draft was Kenny Stills was on the trade block. They didn't let him go. He's really redundant with Brandon Cooks and with Will Fuller. Wouldn't be surprised at all, especially after they took Coulter to see Kenny Stills uh, just move on in some way. Anything to say about what the blob Bob did? Um. Nothing, too, nothing particularly interesting. I think that you touched on it that, I mean, 
the backfield, I think, has a chance to be interesting. I mean, David Johnson is in line for a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't bad early last season before he got injured, although back injuries just in general are, are terrifying, I think. Um, and then can Duke Johnson take a step forward? I mean, Duke Johnson had fewer than eight touches per game. He was at like 7.9 touches per game last year. He was still, as usual, very efficient self. It's just that, you know, he's been typecast by Hugh Jackson and, and Bill O'Brien as um, just a scat back. Um, they, I mean, they gave him a third-round pick for him. Like, use him. You know, you use this guy that's, like, very efficient, and they did it. Um, so I think that that is going to be a big topic as we uh, dive deeper into the summer. And then those four receivers, how is that all going to shake out? I'm with you. I mean, they paid Randall Cobb. They traded for Brandon Cooks. You know, Will Fuller is the best receiver on the team. So it looks like Kenny Stills could be the odd man out. Yeah. Let's go to a more interesting situation out of the draft, and that's the Indianapolis Colts because they used each of their first two picks on skill position players. Let's talk about the running back situation first. You know, Jonathan Taylor, I don't think, you know, we talked about yesterday how uh, carry on and DeAndre Swift are compliments to each other. I don't think Taylor and Marlon Mack are compliments to each other. They kind of do the same things. It's just Taylor does them better, right? Like Taylor is just faster and stronger and way more productive in college. So I think Marlon Mack is in a world of trouble here with Jonathan Taylor coming into one of the league's best offensive lines. I certainly think Jonathan Taylor can play well uh, and have a big role this year. We're going to have to see about the pass down work, who gets it here between Hines, Taylor, uh, and Mack. And then also they took Michael Pittman at 34 overall. And there's, it seems like the dynasty community is split on how good Michael Pittman actually is. Frank Reich came out with a quote, like just glowing about Michael Pittman. And of course, I don't want to read too much into that because of course he's going to say that, but I think the three wide receiver set is likely to be T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. And, and maybe Zach Pascal has something to say about that too, but we'll see. But yeah, a lot to talk about with Indy. what do you think first about the running backs? Yeah, just doing the, putting together the top 150 and I, started out kind of conservative on Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, the more I look at it, the more I, I want to move him up because, um, you know, it's just a great running environment. I mean, he's a lot better than Marlon Mack. And I actually think that Marlon Mack is really good, but I think that Jonathan Taylor as a ball carrier is a lot better than Marlon Mack. The question to me becomes, you know, Marlon Mack was a good receiving back at USF. He, um, you know, he was split out wide from the formation uh, at one of the highest rates, uh, according to uh, Graham Barfield's um, running back study. And um, I just, I remember watching him and being like, man, this this guy, you know, looks like he's going to be a good receiving back in the NFL and just hasn't been used in that capacity. And he's been there with Naheem Hines, who is, you know, like a receiving only back. And, but Naheem Hines isn't very good. So could they maybe move Marlon Mack into more of a receiving role? Because as we discussed, uh, Mike Renner, on the uh, the Mike Renner show before the draft, Jonathan Taylor does not have a very promising uh, track record as a receiving back. He was very limited in terms of his pass blocking opportunities at Wisconsin and dropped eight of 50 catchable targets during his career and really only had the one decent year of receiving there uh, amongst three. So could Marlon Mack transition into more of the receiving back? That In that way, I think that Marlon Mack could maintain like flex uh, value. And then, you know, obviously be a smash if Jonathan Taylor were to go down, but I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the lead back, maybe not in week one, but definitely like by like week four. Uh, and then in the receiver core, I mean, I think it's going to be Pittman, 
and Hilton mainly on the outside, and then Paris Campbell in the slot, and Zach Pascal is the number four. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say the general point about running backs this year. Everybody's going to say, I mean, there's so many committees now and so many running backs were drafted that are likely to impact the starter. Everybody's going to say, oh, well, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor could lose work to Marlon Mack or, or you know, oh, well, Aaron Jones could, could lose work to uh, A.J. Dillon, Jamal. I mean, we need to stop uh, using that as like a huge, huge knock on guys because almost everybody has it. And the guys who, who don't aren't in a committee are going to stand out as just obvious, obvious locks. But we're going to have to really start considering even in DFS guys who are part of committees. It's just the way that the NFL is going to play now it just kind of is what it is. And, and yeah, I mean, they took Pittman at 34th overall. So uh, it's very clear, at least to me, that I think he's going to be one of the starters uh, on the outside, even though I think Zach Pascal is a bit underrated. Uh, one of the surprises of the draft for me, at least was that, well, maybe not a surprise Jacksonville tried to trade Leonard Fournette and found no takers. Uh, I still think there's a chance they just outright dump Leonard Fournette. I mean, this dude has had a questionable attitude. Uh, and after having his name shopped all, all off season, I don't know how he's going to respond to that. I think they should probably just let him go, but then they didn't take any running backs. So that leaves them with just Raquel Armstead, the fifth rounder. And Devonta Zigbo, hashtag team preseason. Uh, we'll get to LaVisca Chenault in a minute here, but how do you think the running backs play out? Do you think they can just outright cut Lenny? And if so, I mean, can Raquel, can they really go to the season with Raquel and Devonta Zigbo as their running backs? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. So if they were to cut him, cut Leonard Fournette, they would save 4.2 or 4. Yeah, 4.2 million. If they designated him a post-June 1 cut, um, it looks like it would be the same. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they can save money by cutting. They'll, they'll have some, they'll have some dead, dead cap, but you know, that's who cares, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that it, it makes sense for them to move on in, in some, in some ways, but yeah, I mean, I think that he's really rubbed the coaching staff the wrong way. And at the end of the day, like that might be the reason that they would be willing to just flat out cut him. Um, I think they would take anything for him at this point. I mean, I think they would take like a conditional seventh round pick just worth about as much as, you know, a bag of punctured footballs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something to track. At least I had Raquel on my winners list and a couple of people, you know, gave me backlash on that. I don't think people realize how likely it is that Lenny is not going to be with the Jaguars mm-hmm. once the season comes around. I want to talk about Chanel. And, and, and Ozigbo is an interesting yeah. sleeper too. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, I was doing these dynasty startup drafts, like 30 rounds, and, like, this dude wasn't even getting drafted in them. Yeah. So um, I, I think he's a guy to pick. He's probably on a lot of dynasty waiver wires right now. If you have open waivers, just put him on the end of your bench. Yeah, so uh, from the receiving core, they go ahead and take LaVisca Chenault at 42nd overall. I think the biggest threat here is to D.D. Westbrook, who has underwhelmed in big-time opportunities. I mean, I've lost money playing D.D. Westbrook in yeah, the DFS plenty. I think their best three-wide set right now is probably D.J. Chark and Chris Conley on the outside, Chenault in the slot. Do you think that's how the Jaguars are going to see it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that they're going to give D.D. Westbrook another year. I mean, he, he wasn't very good uh, last year, but I, I mean, LaVisca Chenault was like a wildcat quarterback at Colorado, kind of like a Cordero Patterson sort of player. Um, had some medical concerns or might have been a fringe first-round pick. He wound up going 42nd overall, which is still pretty high. But um, I don't know. I, 
I just I just don't know how it's going to go with uh, LaVisca Chanel in, in Jacksonville. I, I, I really have no idea. Uh, one thing about the quarterback situation in Jacksonville, they were rumored to maybe take a quarterback. They did not take one until the sixth round when they took Jake Luton. Uh, but they are rumored to be maybe involved in Andy Dalton. And we're taping this Thursday at 2.30 uh, Eastern. And Andy Dalton was released this morning. Andy Dalton, of course, has ties to the Jacksonville coaching staff in Jay Gruden. Um, but we'll see because he's obviously also rumored to New England. But I do think they're going to give Minshew at least a very good chance uh, to win the job. And not taking quarterback until the sixth, I think, speaks to that. Let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs. We spent a lot of time on Friday talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think the hype is, I mean, I've seen people like, you know, national fantasy guys have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as like an early second round pick in season long, which seems very aggressive to me, given what Damian Williams was able to do when given opportunities last year. Uh, Where do you think you'll end up being on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, not in Dynasty, in Redraft? unfortunately like way below consensus i mean you're right i you know i've seen people like putting putting him as like a fringe first round pick that's crazy i mean look it's a great situation but he's not going to get uh he's not going to get the full you know the full workload i mean there's no way they have a bunch of good backs there deandre washington is good too it's a great fit for the offense um you know i I've been reading the uh, post-draft press conferences and their GM, Brett Veach, is like, you need multiple backs, you know. We're not there, – there was this narrative that Andy Reid will only use – you know, he will only have a workhorse, you know. He, he, he never has a committee. And then they had one of the, like, widest-ranging committees in the NFL last year. Those coaching narratives really they're, – they're shaky. You know, they're shaky. So – and I think that they're – there's no way that they're just going to give up on, on Damian Williams. I mean, when, when healthy, he – he might still be the best back on, on the team, you know, uh, just from an all around standpoint, like again, in the Super Bowl, one of the most impressive things that he did against that awesome 49ers front is just like pass block, like a maniac. And um, he was out there breaking tackles. He's one of the best. Rece- I mean, who can, what running backs can run a wheel route as well as Damian Williams. Like yeah. this guy is not going to go away. And I mean, I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is such a great fit there, but man, I mean, his, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question that Damian Williams gets – they just split the workload like right down the middle. Yeah, agreed. And I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is obviously a much better dynasty prospect right now than he is a redraft prospect if the market's going to settle in in the early second round on him in redraft. Let's go to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I still think a questionable pick with Henry Ruggs first overall. I think you're probably higher on him. Than I am, but I wanted to talk about. Uh, we talked about that on Friday. I wanted to talk about uh, Josh Jacobs because uh, I had him on my losers list, and I don't think you know many people had thought about this. But they have Jalen Richard, and then they add Lynn Bowden at 80th overall, and like I want to see Josh Jacobs take a leap in the pass game, but it seems like that's not in the cards. I mean, you don't take Lynn Bowden, you don't have Jalen Richard on the team if you think that. Josh Jacobs is going to be a true three down back. He's going to play in your two minute. He's going to play in your four minute. And then you start giving more targets to Henry Ruggs, to Brian Edwards than you would have to guys like Tyrell Williams uh, and stuff like that. So then now you're really, you know, squeezing Josh Jacobs potential targets when he was only at two a game last year. So I thought Josh Jacobs was a little bit of a loser here. I know that's kind of a, a off the off the radar take a little bit. But yeah, what do you think about what the Raiders did? I completely agree. And if you read Mike Mayock's comments in his post-draft press conference, when he was asked about 
Lynn Bowden, like he said repeatedly, he's going to play running back here. Yeah. You know, running back here. Like he began his statement. He's going to, Lynn Bowden is going to be a running back here. And he talked about Lynn Bowden and he said, he's going to be a running back here. You know, like he said it several times. Uh, they listed Lynn Bowden as a running back on the website. The card that Roger Goodell read uh, Bowden as a running back. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that they're going to have him throw the football a little bit. He actually passed for over 400 yards and three touchdowns this past year. John Gruden likes the, the trick play stuff. Um, and, yeah, they gave Jalen Rashard a two-year, $7 million deal. That's not peanuts uh, at the running back position anymore. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's absolutely concern about Josh Jacobs from a receiving standpoint. And, um, I mean, like, it, it looks like it could get worse than, than it was last year. Yeah, which would be hard, as I said, two, just two targets per game. Uh, our friend, Fantasy Mansion, who, uh, you know, Evan Skewers GMs with once a year uh, on Fantasy Mansion's podcast, he has been giving out the hot take that Brian Edwards uh, has a serious chance to outproduce Henry Ruggs as a member of the Raiders. Uh, what do you think about that uh, hot take? And do you think Brian Edwards has immediate impact on this Raiders offense? Love Matt Kelly, you know, but um, <laughs> uh, that's that's a real, real hot take. I mean, you know, Matt Kelly is very much, you know, by the book uh, from a metric standpoint. And uh, Henry Ruggs did not have great production within the confines of the Alabama offense. What you have to do is kind of, you know, take that with some context because they had Jerry Judy. They had Devonta Smith, who apparently might be better than all these guys. Mm-hmm. They had Jalen Waddle, who's going to get drafted next year. So, um, I mean, they had like four receivers that are, going to, that are going to play in the NFL. And so, I mean, I, I mean, Henry Ruggs went number 12 overall in the draft. Draft capital, I think, matters. And I think that Henry Ruggs has a, a, a great skill set. The thing is that is that skill set going to mesh with Derek Carr? Um, because Derek Carr's game has never been to throw the ball downfield at a voluminous, voluminous rate. And, I mean, Brian Edwards, like, he's going to have to get on the field first. And that means he's probably going to have to beat out Tyrell Williams, right? I mean, they've got Hunter Renfro and Nelson Aguilar behind him. In this, Henry Ruggs is going to play, and obviously. And then so Brian Edwards will have to beat out Tyrell Williams. Yeah. I mean, it's not – I mean, it's not impossible, but it's not – you know, I don't, I don't know if I would consider that likely. Yeah. And this is almost certainly, as, as Corrine mentioned, uh, almost certainly Tyrell Williams last year. Uh, with the Raiders. So we'll see. Something to monitor there. Let's go to the Chargers. We talked on Friday about the Justin Herbert pick a little bit. They did take Josh Kelly in the fourth round. And I was a little bit disappointed with that because I think Justin Jackson could have handled like the pounder role behind Austin Eckler pretty well. They, I maybe disagreed. I mean, fourth round, 112th overall isn't a ton of draft capital, but there's a lot of people out there that think Josh Kelly will easily beat out Justin Jackson for that role. And I, I bring it up. I normally wouldn't even bring up like a fourth round running back, but I actually think that this role behind Austin Eckler is going to have some value as the pounder role, whoever can win it between Kelly and Justin Jackson. So what do you think about that? And then any more thoughts on Herbert since we last talked about him on Friday? I'm just doing this one, putting together this top 150 and looking at other rankings and looking at ADP. I think I'm going to be lower, way lower on, than consensus on Austin Eckler, which you know, I don't like to be because I love Austin Eckler and we were way above consensus on him last year. Um, but I mean, just as long as Tyrod Taylor is playing, then I'm worried about 
Austin Eckler, I mean, he had 90 catches last year. I'm worried about him losing like 30 catches. Yeah. Scored eight receiving touchdowns last year. I mean, at best, I think you could project him for four. Um, and I just think that this is going to be – I mean, how, how long is it going to take for Justin Herbert to get on the field? I think that they can kind of win with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I think that him as being sort of like, you know, a piece, a component of the offense, not necessarily the, you know, the engine of the offense, I think that they can have a, a pretty decent offense and, 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 uh, or at least like a competitive offense and defensively – like they're going to be able to win games with, um, with their defense. I mean, their defense is freaking loaded. Got even better with Kenneth Murray, um, who they traded up for. Wound up with two first-round picks. He's going to be in the middle of their defense with Derwin James. Like they're gearing up to stop, you know, within their division the tight ends like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and uh, Noah Fant. I mean, they're mm-hmm. now to kind of deal with those guys. Um, and I just – I think they're going to be kind of like a, a not fun offense anymore. And um, I, I'm just – I'm worried about the production of really all the Chargers. Like, I'm just I, – I just found myself being like way lower than, you know, everyone on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And Hunter Henry is almost a guy that's like – yeah, I don't, I don't want these guys on my fantasy team this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, big difference going from Phillip Rivers, who can just absolutely stack it up in garbage time, who – versus Tyra Taylor, where if he gets into garbage time, I don't think that it's going to be nearly as uh, productive. And uh, yeah, I, I think Chargers will try to win games in different ways, obviously, with Tyrod Taylor. And yeah, I think Evan and I both agree that Tyrod, I mean, Anthony Lynn loves Tyrod, very likely to be their week one starter. I don't think that he'll finish the year as a starter. I think they'll get Justin Herbert in there. But but yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, let's go to the Dolphins, our Dolphins. The Dolphins did not take any skill players after they took Tua at fifth overall until they took Malcolm Perry over down at 246th overall in the seventh round. They did, however, make a trade for Matt Breida. And Matt Breida, uh, I wish I could say that he was going to get a full workload in Miami, but coaches just love Jordan Howard, man. The coaches love giving the ball to Jordan Howard. So I think it'll be a pretty strict committee there. The biggest takeaway, though, I had from this Dolphins draft was no wide receivers, no tight ends. I mean, Preston Williams and Mike Gesicki, uh, are set up to be every down players again. As long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is out there YOLOing, man, I think Preston Williams and Mike Gesicki could both have really big years. I'm, I'm excited for them. I, I made Gesicki uh, the cover boy of my fantasy winners article. So, you know, a Darren Waller-esque kind of breakout, I think is in the cards for Mike Gesicki, assuming assuming Ryan Fitzpatrick remains the starter. So what do you think about what the Dolphins did, or I guess more importantly, didn't do? Pretty much the same as you, man. Um, I think that Tua, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how long Tua takes to get onto the field. Um, there was some thought that if he, the more he sits, the better his, his health projection will be. Like if he sits out the season and his, um, or, you know, if he's just the backup all year, then his health projection is, is better going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitzpatrick, you know, played really well for the Dolphins, obviously, down the stretch, you know, showed a, a great ability to deliver to the ball to those guy, all those guys that you mentioned. And I think that they have a lot of faith in him. And I, I think they're going to try to be competitive uh, this year. Matt Breida, yeah, I think it's going to be – I think Jordan Howard's going to lead the team in carries. And Matt Breida is just going to be like an explosive change of pace player. Um, it's a better situation at this point, I think, for him to be in Miami than it would have been in San Francisco. Um, but, yeah, I think that he's going to be – I don't know. He'll, he'll be a late round fantasy pick. 
let's go to the New England Patriots because everybody was thinking, hey, will they take a quarterback? Will they not take a quarterback? They don't take a quarterback. And, you know, Jeff Howe, friend of the show, uh, sent a tweet that people he's talked to think, and maybe this is biased, but uh, think that Jared Stidham actually would have graded out better than Jordan Love uh, this year. I don't know how true that is, but, you know, we've talked about before, Jared Stidham in the preseason was awesome. That said, as I previously mentioned a little bit ago, Andy Dalton is now available for the Patriots. So it's interesting. They have some options. I kind of think they should just stick with Stidham and see what they have in him. But who knows what they are going to do. They did take a couple tight ends. They didn't address their wide receiver situation. And, you know, we've talked about Nikhil Harry as kind of a second year breakout guy before. A lot of picks for the Patriots as usual. What do you think of their draft? Wasn't a very fun draft, man. You know, yeah. I mean, you got the two tight ends. Asi Asi is like, I think he's going to be more like the Y tight end, like the on the line tight end. And then Dalton Keene had the, he was the number one spark tight end in this year's draft. So he would be more of like the F movement tight end. I think, you know, if you were to compare him to Gronk and Hernandez, obviously neither of them is going to be remotely as good as Gronk or Hernandez, but. Um, Asiasi would be more the Gronk, and then Keen would be more the Hernandez. Um, Nikhil Harry was a big winner. You know, um, Muhammad Sunu even kind of, it's gross. I know it's oh, gross. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't, let's not talk about Muhammad Sunu. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, the backfield is going to be interesting to sort out, too. Like, will da- Damian Harris get an opportunity? They also did not take a running back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Damian Harris barely plays after they used, a, I believe it was a third-round pick on Damian Harris uh, last year. And I think Nikhil Harry is going to gain steam as the offseason moves along in terms of ADP. I, I think if you're just you know trying to beat ADPs, Nikhil Harry now uh, versus later uh, will make sense. I mean, God, uh, Julian Edelman has to be on tilt. He's going to be 34 years old, and we know Sanu is dusted. Uh, let's go to the New York Jets. I, I If we look at this offseason as a whole, I actually like it for Sam Darnold, man. And I know you have worries because all these guys are new and they haven't had an offseason together. But if they did and if they could somehow click, I mean, Darnold gets Chris Herndon back. He adds Brashad Perriman, who I thought was an awesome signing. They give him Denzel Mims in the second round. At 10th overall, they give him Mekhi Becton. Um, you know, and they still have Le'Veon Bell and Crowder. Like, they could actually have a really good offense. Like, last preseason, their offense looked uh, awesome. And then it just all fell apart very quickly with Sam Darnold getting the mono. Uh, so I don't know. I'm optimistic on the Jets. Like, I know, I don't know if you're planning on including the Jets in your sneaky stacks for best ball, but they would be one that would be super, super sneaky for me. Like, if you think Denver or the Giants or whatever is going to be too popular, like, the Jets stack would be even way uh, sneakier. So maybe I'm crazy here. And I, and the reason I don't even like saying it is because Adam Gase is such a dunce. You know, I hate putting I money on Adam Gase. But, but yeah, it kind of is what it is. Yeah, I mean... That's the, you know, and we kind of have that with the Giants too. Like, you know, how much faith do we really want to put on, put in Jason Garrett at the end of the day? Like we're going to end up betting on the players, but there, that definitely makes you feel uncomfortable. I mean, I think that Brashad Perryman is good. I think that he's always been good. I think that what happened in Baltimore was that he, um, he had that horrible PCL injury. Uh, and then if you go back, like I've read articles on this, you know, reading about like, he like went, fell into a depression. His dad uh, got really sick. And I mean, just, you know, he had to get out of there. He goes to Cleveland 
And, I mean, he played really well in his opportunities in Cleveland. And then he was awesome over the five final five games of last year for Tampa Bay. Like, he was really freaking good. He has not been dropping passes for a long time. That was, you know, a problem for him in Baltimore. Um, he has stayed healthy, knock on wood. And, I mean, I, I think he's always been good. It's just that he had, like, it, it was just a really bad situation in Baltimore. He had this also this, like, shin splints injury. Yeah. Just, he, also, he also went bald. He also went bald. <laughs> um yeah so but i at the end of the day like i'm gonna kind of i think i'm gonna lean toward betting on guys that sam darnold already has built a rapport with like jameson crowder and maybe chris herndon to yeah. some extent i love chris i think chris herndon's like we were too high on him last year with the suspension and everything that was one of the mistakes and we talked about that on a previous uh podcast but you know if you can get chris herndon for a full season he was ready to have a really big year i thought yeah. last year you didn't talk about denzel mims at all one of the prospects that uh from a size speed perspective i think when we talked to josh norris you and him were both really high on denzel mims what do you think about this landing spot there's a lot of opportunity so i think that i think you have to love the landing spot and yeah it's only on a one-year deal and i think it's a great landing spot for denzel mims agreed um okay Let's go to the Steelers. And, you know, they had a reasonable three-wide set with James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Juju in the slot. They had Ebron and Vance McDonald. They didn't need to, but they took Notre Dame wide receiver Chase Claypool at 49th overall. Uh, Some controversy, and and Steelers Twitter got a hold of a tweet that I sent about uh, 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 Claypool playing on the outside. And they were just, like, arguing for, like, four straight days about how Chase Claypool <laughs> should be used uh, in my mentions. Uh, but anyways, they I know they how say, that is, man. Yeah. The, the team fans arguing in your mentions just for right. days on end. Exactly. Like the like you're you're not going to convince the other side, you know, like. Yeah. The team fans are way more out of control than the, than the fantasy people. But anyways, oh, yeah. uh, Steelers say they're going to use Chase Claypool on the outside. Do you think he'll be able to beat out James Washington. My initial take was it just going to be a kind of a rotation there between James Washington and Claypool, maybe with Juju yeah. in the slot and Deontay on the other side. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I do think that it's kind of clear that they are going to play him on the outside, though, uh, and that he's going to be competing with James Washington. And we probably won't care about that initially. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be we're going to be way above consensus on Deontay Johnson this year and Juju. Mm-hmm. I mean, Juju, like was like a borderline first round pick last year. I'm seeing yeah. like you know, with a third round ADP, like we're going to have Juju on all our teams this year with Ben, with big Ben coming back. Um, the running back situation I also think is interesting. The Steelers are going to be in the sneaky stacks for sure, because I don't know, people are just way down on James Connor and he's a, he's a winner in the draft. I mean, they did take Anthony McFarlane, but McFarlane, McFarlane's like a speed explosion change of pace back and James Conner I think is is still clearly I mean James Conner was good last year it's just he kept getting banged up yeah I didn't put James Conner in my winners because I still think they want to use a committee with Samuels and Benny Snell and McFarlane um but you could be I you could be right maybe they will consider him more of a workhorse and and so we'll see it's just that he's so low in like ADP and and, and other rankings that right I want to be above that because I think that he's going to end up being a great value. Like we're going to, we're going to want him on our teams. I think this year. All right, let's go to the Tennessee Titans. They take a Jack Conklin replacement at 29th overall in Isaiah Wilson, which I think should help. And then, uh, you know, 
backup running back to Derrick Henry. They took, hopefully they hope, 93rd overall, Darrington Evans. Not too much else of note with the Titans draft. Anything on them? No, it's just clear that they are going to maintain the same offensive philosophy as they had last season. And Derrick Henry is going to continue to be the focal point of the offense. And, you know, you're probably going to be mad at me for how high I have him in the uh, in the rankings. The big dog. God. Yeah. All right. Big dog back for more. All right. <laughs> we have talked about every single NFL team's draft and how that relates to fantasy on the site. You will find tons more written content on YouTube. You will find our disgusting faces there if you can bear yourself to see them. We'll be back next week for more shows and more content. So for Evan, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.